Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. Lessons in life that I did not learn at Harvard. There is no question that you will be hearing in the background the huge drum roll and uh, a lot of excitement because this is a very special, special, special guest. It's a special episode. It's a special show because it personifies in so many ways um, why we started the Anthony Gordon Show. It, in many ways, dovetails, I think, with my legacy my, and what I've tried to focus on in, in my life. And it's definitely proved positive that there are no coincidences in this world. Uh, uh, and hopefully that'll be self-evident as we continue the discussion. So Darren Margolius, Executive Director of Beast Philanthropy, first and foremost, a huge welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. I'm absolutely honored to be here. Thank you. So my first for our listeners, the comment that I made about there's no such a thing uh, as serendipity or coincidence, check this out. You'll notice the gorgeous, beautiful accent of Darren's is <laughs> somewhat similar to mine. So we both hail from South Africa through crazy circuitous uh, events. We cross paths. Lo and behold, we hail from the same uh, country. Uh, we went to the same high school, although there were sort of sister schools. And it's, it's almost insane that you could, we could write the script. Let me tell you why I was super, super uh, excited. For, for context, let me just tell our listeners, if there's anyone out there that's been living under a rock uh, for the last uh, couple of years, uh, Mr. Beast, uh, Mr. Beast's uh, real name, if you will, uh, Jimmy Donaldson, over the last uh, several years, has really ascended, uh, if you will, ascended up in terms of profile of YouTube influencers to really be uh, the leading influencer in the space. Um, he's doing a lot of things right. He's really galvanized and captured the imagination of, I would say, primarily millennials, Gen Z, people like me in the Gen Z uh, cohort. But, <laughs> but this is, the amazing thing is, is I was speaking the other night about, you know, one of the I guess a proliferation of technology, instantaneously you can press a button. That translates into, you know, I press a button and this whatever I want in life, you know, is, is a click away. And so the, the, I guess the side impact of that is that we are living in an I generation, you know, the proverbial iTunes, iTablets. Uh, There's an interesting parenthetical thing that every year the uh, Oxford Dictionary uh, basically in, includes a new word, the most oft used word for that year. In the year 2013, the word was selfie. So it's tough. You, you're dealing with a generation that seems, um, hopefully not saying this in a judgmental way, uh, very self-absorbed, 
very much, there's a drive to narcissism. And I think one of the most beautiful things, Darren, is that philanthropy and giving is the antithesis of me. It's about other people. Um, and the fact that you've got the leading YouTube influencer really dedicating a, uh, a clear focus of resources, time and effort into Beast Philanthropy speaks volumes of, of, of who Jimmy is and that he cares. Before we go into the Beast Philanthropy, give, give our listeners, if you don't mind, a little bit about your background, your journey, and, and how you landed a gig, which I think for anyone that's out there that's young and cool, it's, it seems like uh, it, it's, a dream, it's a dream position. But uh, I, I, you know, I think our, our listeners would be very interested in, in how, you, how you landed up there. Well, just a little background on me. I, the majority of my career, I was a real estate developer. And, you know, for many of those years, I was making a um, very, very comfortable living. Yep. It was also the, the period of my life that I was the most depressed. I was on antidepressants. I was on Adderall during the day to, to keep me con- you know, focused. And it just wasn't, I wasn't enjoying my life. I was making a ton of money. And I was completely discontent. And back in 2002, just because I have a love for, for animals, I had started an animal rescue group um, with a friend of mine, we, or I got involved with her. Yep. And we, we started doing that, and it started growing bigger and bigger. And I, I always enjoyed doing that, but I hated doing my career. And through a couple of different events that um, happened in my life in 2005, some very difficult deals that we're involved in and uh, some other events that we can talk about if you're interested. I just eventually decided this is not the life that I want to be living. The stuff that I actually get fulfillment from was coming from the work that I was doing for free. And the stuff that I was making money from was making me miserable. And so in 2012, I came to a decision point I evaluated the options. One was to go in one direction and keep on going. The other one was to walk away with what I had made. Just just so that we can get a context for our our listeners. Where did this epiphany come from? You suddenly had a crossroads where clearly the most amazing thing is you are brutally honest with yourself. There are a lot of listeners out there that are in a grinding job. They hate what they're doing, but they wouldn't look in the mirror and say, this sucks. I'm depressed. I'm pressing eject. They keep just plowing forward, which is a disaster. So something must have happened that you said, you know, I'm I'm not signing up for this life for the rest of you know for the long for the rest of my sojourn on this planet. There were um, two things, and um, I'm happy to go into detail on either one of them if you find them interesting. In 2005, we did the biggest real estate deal that um, we had ever done. My dad and uh, I bought a. Um, $100 million property down in Florida, and we're converting it into condominiums. We got hit by a hurricane in uh, October of 2005. And the, the deal that had been going really, really well to that point, and we we're making a ton of money at that point, the lender that we are working with, it was actually a mezzanine lender, tried to use the hurricane as a reason to foreclose. And it became an incredibly stressful event for us. And in the end, we we landed up winning. But during the time that we were going through it, I don't think that I've ever been more miserable in my life and more stressed out in my life. And my father came down one day and I said, why are we still doing this? We've made enough money that you can retire and I don't need to worry about it. Why are we doing this? And, he, you know, 
I said, there's no amount of money in the world that can make me as happy as this had made me miserable. I was waking up every single day and asking myself, is this the day I'm going to have a heart attack? And the next thought that went through my head was, I don't even care if it is. Um, And 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 that that, that, that says it all. That was when I decided that the pursuit of money is not what everybody thinks that it is. I mean, you give up so much of your life in, all, in the pursuit of money. And we, for whatever reason, we grew up and we taught that that's the ultimate goal. And I just had realized, look, I had it. It wasn't making me happy. It was making me miserable. That was when we, uh, I personally decided that I wasn't going to continue on that path. In 2008, I put a substantial amount of money into some options on the stock exchange, it, 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 you know, and I woke up one morning, the futures were down. This was when everything was happening around right. me. And I realized that I'd lost a few hundred grand. There was no way with the market crashing that we were going to cross my strike price. And right. I was miserable, man. I was angry. And then the very next story wow. that came on um, it, the TV was there had been a, a hurricane that had hit Haiti. And there was a woman there making a mud cookie. You might know of that from South Africa, where they mix cooking oil into a bucket of mud, and then they leave in the sun to dry. Yeah, sure. And um, that's what they eat, because they get calories from the cooking oil, and they get the the hunger pains uh, taken away from eating a, a mud cookie. And in that moment, I realized how ungrateful I was for what I had. At the time, I was overweight, there's not going to be a time in my life where I wouldn't have food on my table or a roof over my head, no matter where I'm living, if it's in a trailer park, that I have access to healthcare if I need it. And then I got high speed internet. I got my cats. I've got a bunch of other things that are just luxuries on top of it. And with everything that I had, the the money that I lost didn't mean anything. It meant that there was a lower balance in my bank account. That's all it was. But here I wasn't even grateful for what I had because I always wanted more. And there's a, a beautiful line in the book, The Prophet, which, um, you know, I think I quoted to you. Um, you did. Is not the fear of thirst when your well is full a thirst that is unquenchable? And Just repeat that. Is not? Is not the fear of thirst when your well is full a thirst that is unquenchable? Yeah. And I have some very wealthy friends in Atlanta and, you know, I go out to lunch with them and they've got these 87 meter yachts or something that cost tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> and they're sitting there complaining because the guy that was harbored next to them had a 113 meter yacht, you know, yeah, and yeah. That, that is the definition of is not, you know, or another brilliant way that I've heard it said before is a wealthy man is not a man who has a lot. He's a man who needs little. Yeah. Because the man who has a lot doesn't necessarily ever have enough, but the man who yeah, has sure. little will always have enough. Excellent, hundred percent. At that point, when I when I realized that, and I realized that I had no gratitude, and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I will be grateful for everything that I've got for the rest of my life, and it completely changed the path. That day, I sure. remember that day so clearly. Everything changed about who I was and what I was going to pursue in life. How many? How long ago was that from the time we sat here today, which is January twenty second, two thousand and eight? So it was actually fourteen years and what? Um, fourteen years and a week ago. Wow! So you and today you're twenty three years old. So that's that's <laughs> unbelievable. You see, Darren, just to press pause for a second, I'm going to somewhat change the quote. But Winston Churchill was credited to say the following, and I think it's so true about you. And we've landed up spearheading 
Beast Philanthropy. In life, most people at some point will trip over the truth. The problem is almost all of them will get up and keep running. That time you tripped over something that was raw, it gave you a moment of clarity. We know that our journey here is temporary. You've got you know, a bunch of uh, people that obviously are a mile wide and a half inch thick, uh, worrying about the guys yacht bigger than them. You know, I'm not sure if they realize that the person who wins the rat race is still a rat. But you had this moment of clarity. And I'm telling you, they're not just because you're a friend and not because I think you're a terrific person, but you are in the minority that actually acted on that visceral sense and, and pivoted your whole life. Well, I, I think that is lucky. I mean, I'd had, you, you know, a lot of people won't realize that you can be really miserable being wealthy. And, sure. um, you know, I also had the parallel path of getting involved in a charity that I cared about a long time and seeing the contradiction between the two things that one was so fulfilling and enriching and one <clears> was, <throat> it, it turned out to be an empty promise. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Okay, so that, this is the fork in the road. Now, I've got, to, I've got to believe that if you were to, at that point in the story, have gone to your dad and said, Dad, uh, you know, I'm going to go left in the fork in the road here, and he would have thought you just snapped. Oh, Make yeah. Um, he, he, he always has been that way. Things have changed recently because he's seen exactly how much I'm accomplishing in that video. Um, he had a different mindset and it granted my dad grew up very, very poor. And, you know, so the security, I understand the security that he wanted and he didn't understand it as giving up. And he was like, you're so good at making money. And I, I don't understand why you're going this way. You know, you never know what's going to happen in your future. And my answer was like, if I'm doing the things that I care about, I don't care if I'm homeless. Like I will be more proud looking back on a life of service that I'm proud of the work that I've done you know, living on the street, if I have to, then continuing to work for this materialistic lifestyle that was just so vapid. Right. Walk us through, you have this feeling, you realize it's a very hollow, sort of a hollow passage or pathway that you're on. From that moment until you know, landing at the gig that you've got now, what, what, what are the next pieces of the puzzle? Um, you know, in 2012, I managed to liquidate um, the, the full portfolio that we had. And, um, you know, for a long time, I didn't know what I did. I focused, uh, you know, a lot of energy into growing the animal rescue group that we had together. And then I also subsequently to that got involved in a second charity that would help some kids that were affected on the autism spectrum, severely affected. And, you know, I was, I was content. I realized that I was never going to ever drive in the same cars that some of my friends do, live in the same houses or whatever. But none of that mattered um, because the, the stuff that I was doing, when I was seeing it, because everybody knew that I was involved in animal rescue, I get every, you know, email, a picture of somebody that when an animal is hurt or injured or, you know, Amazing. and it's a very, very depressing feeling. And the only way that I could deal with that sort of depression is to be like, well, I'm going to take action and I'm going to do something that helps over here. And that, you know, so that was what I did. But I, I really cruised for about 10 years. Um, yep. I became a skydiver and I was, uh, you know, going out with friends all the time. 
there wasn't much that other than the work that I was doing for the charity, but I felt like I'd paid my dues. I worked very, very hard when I was young and I was like, I'm just going to enjoy it a little bit and, and do yeah. the things that I care about. And then I met Jimmy and he went and ruined that all for me in the best way possible, you know? Okay. So there you are now at that point in time, firstly, did you know who Jimmy was? Did you know anything about Mr. Beast? Did you know, I mean, you know, it doesn't, I would imagine you're not, you are not sort of part of the target demographic that Mr. Beast is focused on. So it's in bizarre how you land up getting connected. Well, um, interestingly enough, the connection came through skydiving. I um, you know, come to Raleigh to go skydiving with um, a friend of mine, met somebody over here. We became friends. Um, he was in real estate as well. Um, and then years went by and then the, the pandemic lockdown came along and I'm sitting in my room and lonely in the house one day and the phone rings and I see that it's him and I'm like, what on earth is he calling me for? And answer the phone and he's like, hey, do you still run that animal rescue? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I work for Mr. Beast and we want to do a video where we get every dog in a dog shelter adopted. And I said, Mr. Who? <laughs> I had no idea. But the, the part that I heard was we want to get every dog in the dog shelter That's adopted. hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, how, many, how, how many kids, if they heard Mr. Beast would drop the phone and you heard the dog shelter part? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when I saw my nephew's reaction, I realized that it was legit. Like when I said that Mr. Beast had called and I was going up to meet him, I realized, okay, <laughs> this guy's got um, a fan base here. That's sure. pretty uh, rabid for him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you go meet uh, Jimmy. Yeah. How... I know the South African culture. I know a, a person like you. You are a a person who very much personifies substance. You're very genuine, authentic. You parachute in. What was it that connected that made you feel? You know what? Uh, this I can sign up for this gig. Well, my original thing was like so. I did a little bit of reading. Jimmy had 36 million subscribers when I met him. Um, and I'd done a little bit of reading, but I didn't actually understand how big the influences are, sure. are getting and how, how big this universe and industry is. Um, but, you know, so my first thing was, wow, this kid's brilliant. He cracked the code. He figured out how to monetize generosity. And that's what I said to him the first night. And that's what I thought it was when I first met him. But, you know, within a few minutes of being there, Jimmy yep. said, you know, I've already approved the video um, for your dog shelter. You can stop talking about that. We're going and we're going to shoot it for you. And he's like, but I want you to come up here and I want you to work for him. And now we started talking about what he wanted me to do. And it was, you know, running a food bank and logistics of, you know, feeding thousands of people. I was like, Jimmy, you've got the wrong guy. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, do I want to get into 80 hour work weeks again and is stress and, and all of this yeah. kind of stuff. And I certainly wasn't convinced. I wasn't interested in going and doing something for somebody that was going to build them up. Um, yeah. If there wasn't an authenticity behind it, but it was actually amazing because I expected to maybe spend 15 or 20 minutes with Jimmy. I think he finally went to bed at two 30 in the morning wow. and then, um, you know, I landed up hanging out with him the next evening as well. Um, and it, just talking to him one-on-one -on -one and realizing that this guy, you know, he was asking me questions that demonstrated to me that he actually really cared about it. 
And um, he was asking me why I'm motivated to do the things that I do. And I told him, because I find the world kind of depressing. And the only way that I can deal with that myself is to be part of the solution, you know. And he's like, I'm so glad you answered like that. That's exactly how I see it, it myself, that I do this because I find it depressing the way that it is. And, and just, just on, on that note, I think just, um, again, to underscore for our listeners how genuine, and this is, you know, based on what I see, what I hear, is if I understand the story um, on uh, the Mr. Beast website about going back to 2017, where it seems that Jimmy received his first YouTube sponsorship, 10 grand or something. He had, he had agreed to give this, uh, you know, this away. Apparently landed up giving that 10 grand, um, I don't know if it's a homeless bunch of homeless folks or just to a cause, but apparently he has the kicker. It seemed to ignite a flame in him that one second there's something about this and, and being part of the solution and making a difference, which speaks to my heart and soul. And I would like to earmark a certain amount of my energy, time and, 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 and money to being part of the solution. That's, I think that speaks volumes. It was obviously it, it hits a raw nerve in the, the, the essence of who he is as a person. Absolutely. And I want to, if you don't mind, I want to interject my opinion over here. Please. I think that for a lot of people, they sort of conditioned to thinking giving money to charity is a sacrifice that they're making. You know, I've got to choose between, you know, that new pair of Nikes that I want or helping somebody out. And so people, for whatever reason, are kind of conditioned into thinking that it's a sacrifice. And, you know, but when you go and you do it and you have a, a it, if you go give money or you go directly help somebody that's in need of help, you will realize that it's no longer a sacrifice. There's actually a huge payback. Like people will give me credit for being this amazing guy. And I tell them I'm not, I'm a selfish guy. I'm doing what I love doing. I'm doing the thing that makes me most happy. And you know, that's the thing. And I think that Jimmy also had that experience. Then I don't know what he was like before he was a 17 year old yeah. in 2017. I'm sorry. When he went and he did that, but sometimes like you have that, that, that experience that redefines everything for you. And you realize, yeah. wait a second, that is, um, it, that felt really good to me as well. So it must've gone to the core of him, Darren. I mean, uh, and just for our viewers, what I want to dispel, I guess the innuendo attached to my question is I've always been um, a pretty intuitive person and I've always got a you know, heightened sense of antenna of what's real. Everything I see and read, the philanthropy component, the giving, that's the essence of who this guy is. This is not exactly a way to use a cute PR tactic to get clout. This is who this guy is. Oh, I, think that's what, I think that's what resonates. I was thinking to myself, what has Jimmy, what does he do that has become, you know, has resonated with so many people. And I think part of it is just his sincerity. He's a very authentic guy. Absolutely. Um, I want to say there is some skepticism. And, I, you know, I, I would have been a fool not to be skeptic of it myself. And I needed sure. to see some things that um, would it would prove to me that I was doing this for the right guy, you know. Um, right. That this wasn't a stunt that he was playing or anything like that. I had to do, to do it. But I, in those conversations that I had, I saw a sincerity. Jimmy actually said to me, 
helping people is my life mission. It's my life goal. Everything that I'm doing is, you know, in furtherance of that. So, you know, that was part of it. But there were some other things that were said that like that made me feel pretty comfortable to take the next steps. But I still I, I don't know that I really got the, the level of comfort until I actually got here. And I started seeing some things that Jimmy does behind the scenes. People will say, oh, he does it for the views or Jimmy, the more people that watch him, the more money he makes. I've seen some extraordinarily generous things Jimmy does. Sure. And nobody knows about it. It's done under the radar and it is not done. There are no cameras there. He's very, uh, when I ask him, why don't you want to do this? He's like, I don't want to rob these people of their dignity. And we'd be doing that in, in something like that. That's you know, unbelievable. And time and time and time again. And, you know, I'll share with you <clears throat> what I shared with you. I, I'm not in this for the money. Um, I told Jimmy when he offered me the job, he's like, you can take name whatever salary you want. And I told him it was going to be zero. And we actually fought about that for a long time. And he eventually insisted it you know, a few months after I'd come here in paying me and I take the money that I have and I give it back to the philanthropy. I split, split it 50% between the philanthropy and 50% between my, my animal charity. So Amazing. I'm not doing this for any reason. And I certainly wouldn't do it if I wasn't 100% convinced that Jimmy is authentic. Jimmy is doing this because Jimmy cares. And I'm happy to work for a guy like that. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure, you know. <clears throat> Which, which, which brings me to um, my, my next point. I think you know me now well enough to know that you know, my life vocation, the way that the journey of life has navigated me is that I've, you know, I've, been, I've worked with some very prominent uh, athletes, some very prominent celebrities. It's um, really been my calling and my vocation. And, I, and um, you know, often people say, uh, we want to collaborate on, on certain things. Please introduce. I picked up in you, I picked up in, you know, the, just in the research that it's sincere and it's genuine. It frankly is, it's, I can see really it's going to be, uh, you know, well worth my time to, to work closely with you guys. And I'll tell you what I think is important and what I care about. And I think I'm speaking to preaching to the choir with you. And I believe Jimmy as well. And that is tens of millions of primarily millennials and maybe Gen Z, um, are drinking the Kool-Aid of, you know, what's important to them. And a lot of the myths and the preconceived ideas that they're hearing through the mainstream media is not necessarily true and it's not necessarily in their best interest. Um, and if someone who has the clout and who has the following like Jimmy, um, he's able to move the dial. He's able to really hopefully impart to people you know, the qualities like being kind, qualities like being honest, uh, quality, those kinds of things in the grand scheme of things um, go more towards one's character and one's legacy, you know, than what Carl one drives. So I, I, I think that, he, that while he's entertaining and he's sincere, I think the, that there's definitely a part of his message that at least I see, unless I'm overanalyzing, that's, that can really move the dial in terms of, of, of what young kids are thinking and doing. You're 100% right. And, um, you know, it was something that I didn't actually realize when I first started working here, and it just started becoming more and more apparent. Like when we started getting emails from parents talking about the influence that Jimmy has had on their kids, that wow. all of a sudden the kids are coming to the parent volunteer events. So can you, um, instead of a birthday present, I... Uh, 
from you or any of my friends. I'd like to collect money and donate it to charity. That's and, insane. And, you know, I started doing that and I started realizing, you know, when I first came up here, um, I was, you know, of the mind that, uh, yeah, the work that we do is going to change the people's lives that we touch. But the reality sure. of it is no matter how big we get, we're not really going to be able to help everybody in the world ourselves, right? Sure. Uh, we'll never have enough money. Even I said to you, if we raised a billion dollars a year, which is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, next to impossible, but the U.S. government spends over $3 trillion a year, and that's $3,000 billion a year, and they cannot solve these issues. Sure. The only thing, money is not going to fix anything in the world. The only thing that is going to fix <clears throat> it empathy and kindness and generosity yeah. if we start learning to take care of one another then um then that might make the future brighter than it it, it appears right now you know and that, that's where it, it became apparent to me just how powerful the platform is and you know it took me a while i i don't know whether jimmy is fully aware of that himself i was gonna um, ask you you know, I was going to ask you because because continually treating the symptom is one thing, but this is if someone can be a role model for tens of millions of people uh, and help them understand that a lot of you know uh, collecting toys and looking cool is a very transient thing, and this it's about giving back and it's about being a good person and it's about ref I think that it's a very very powerful message for a person who's got that platform, who's got I think the attention of of the stickiest generation. Yeah, absolutely. If you watch a lot of people on YouTube, you don't see the same thing. Although we're starting to see a little bit more with people on TikTok or YouTube using their own platforms. I'm very good friends with a young man. His name's uh, Millard Merg. He does, um, he started out making Subway sandwiches. He's built a massive audience and he's doing exactly the same thing. And he wow. said to me, um, you know, Darren, um, I watch Jimmy and I always said, if I, if I got a platform of my own, I want to do the same thing. But I also see it in kids that are, uh, you know, sending me uh, $3 in the mail. Um, you know, it's really having an effect. Jimmy is showing people that it's actually something that you can really do. I, I came up with something. I was trying to think of slogans for our merch and everything. And I've gone through a whole bunch of them, but one of them, not sure that I like it for our merch, but I think it tell, it, it, giving is a gift that you can give yourself. And when you get people to experience um, giving, and not in a way that they look at it as a sacrifice, not because somebody's asking them to give to a charity that they don't care about, but if you go do something that you actually care about, hands on, and you, you, you do something, and you see the difference that that thing makes, or you see the appreciation in the eyes of the person that you're helping. A hundred percent. You'll feel a feeling that you don't get from buying anything. I promise you that, you know? And, um, you, you know, that's the thing that it, Jimmy is actually showing these kids how much fun it can be. We okay. have another, I saw something one time on Facebook and I thought it was so great. I made a big poster of it and I put it up in our warehouse and it said, I've been searching for ways to heal myself. And I found that kindness is the best way. Yeah, and it kind. really is with all of the mental uh, uh, trouble and stress and uh, you know depression that people feel with. Go try something different, man. Instead of spending that money with your therapist, go and and buy a, a meal for a homeless person or a jacket or something, and go give it to them. And tell me if that didn't feel better than you did spending a therapist. Just try it. I, I uh, firstly, I, I mean what. Everything you say now is just so part of the thesis of why 
you know, we started this podcast, uh, definitely my life work. You know, Darren, that I'm surrounded by people that I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of And they, you know, after a while, <laughs> you know, you develop a relationship where I'm, you know, I'm their sort of confidant, their rabbi, whatever you want to call me. And they know that the things that make you the most happy are not things. It's about relationships. And I always tell some of these folks, what will make you feel better about yourself and your legacy? The, the amount of money you leave in the bank when you, end, when you come to the end of the journey or the receipts that you receive from the tax, from the donations you've made. It's really from giving and it's not from taking. And I think that the, why I think this is a huge paradigm shift is if someone who's got the ears, the eyes of a generation that really can move the dial can, can really help change the mindset and help people understand that, you know, whatever he's doing is not just entertaining. It's not just cute. It's the right thing to do. And if you, the only way to build people's self-esteem is to do esteemable acts. And, and I think it's an incredible, you know, it's an incredible role that he can play. Unbelievable role. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, it, Jimmy, Jimmy discovered early that, that that it's so enjoyable and, um, you know, he's showing other people and they're going and they're trying it. And you and I talked about a movie that was done in South Africa. It's called the power of one. Yeah. And, um, it's similar in a way, but, one of the lines that struck me from that movie is a waterfall drops with is a waterfall starts with a single drop of water. Now, Jimmy is a single drop of water that starts a waterfall because he, he might inspire um, millions of other people um, to do the same thing. And those people in turn will inspire other people. And, you know, it's not that we're trying to change the world by trying to really hard to convince people no, it, you know, yeah. They see that it's fun. They want yeah. to emulate it. They want to do the same things themselves. And, you know, Jimmy's, um, it, when I came in and met him, he had 36 million people on YouTube. I did the, the numbers the other night. I was just looking at them. There's 178 million subscribers on YouTube. 178 the, million subscribers across all, the, all of his he, platforms. Yeah, he's got several channels. He's got the main Mr. Beast channel, Beast Philanthropy channel, right. Reacts Gaming um shorts but then we also he's also now started translating his videos and putting them to international markets and those are going great and we're expanding that way and then he did the squid games recently and you know he had a 10 million subscribers in a month like 10 million for anybody is a massively successful channel Germany added them in a month and so I think that right now his it's not that his pace is slowing down, his pace is accelerating. And more and more people around the world are realizing who this guy is and watching what he's doing and seeing it and going and trying it. And that I think is the most important thing that this is the thing that gets me out of bed every morning and makes me go to work. It's not, hey, are we going to help these people with the water well here or food here or whatever it is? I love that we're doing that. And the people that we're helping love that we're doing it. But the thing that motivates me and, and it drives me, you know, to work 80 hours a week and never complain about it and be, you know, just so grateful for it. Yeah. It's how far this message is spreading and how, how um, it clearly it's resonating with so many people. I know it is because not only because I know you wouldn't be there if it wasn't genuine and for what I, but I think you know me well enough to know in a couple of months, I'm doing this TED, this TEDx talk in London. My whole thesis, my whole theme uh, is, is, 
is based on a similar concept. And that is that a lot of people have embraced certain things, you know, about looking a certain way about, uh, you know, having Instagram sites that really don't represent them. And I, and I think just the, the, the jolt is that I think that Jimmy's doing is he's changing the dialogue. He's changing the discourse is, is um, it's about other people. It's not about ourselves. It's about uh, adding to the quality of people's lives. Um, it's not cool and entertaining to laugh at the expense of other people. I think that that's, that that is in a time where this country is so divisive and there's so much mudslinging and finger pointing, it's a vitally important work. And so here's my question, because I, I asked this to myself as well, is imparting that message without sounding like you suddenly sold out, become a preacher, you know, which, you, you know, remaining entertaining, remaining himself, but also being able to play such an unbelievable uh, role, igniting a spark in, in a dark world. There's, it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he really is. Um, the, 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 the part about inspiring the generations is something that I really came up here and, and not, not even aware of. But it, it, that's the only way that we can actually. It, this is why I believe, and it might sound hyperbolic to you guys and everything, but this is why I, you know, am happy to continue. Um, you know, pouring so much of myself into this organization every day of my life because I see that it is making a difference. We get emails from parents, like I said, they don't love it. Know how it's inspired people. And I know for every email that we might get, a, a thousand other people have sure. got it. I have my friends' kids that, um, you know, I've known them since they were born. And some of them, you know, they, 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 they they spoiled, um, yeah. you know, they started watching Mr. Beast and one of them called me up uh, when I, I got the job over here he is, um, I think nine years old. And he's like, I, I got $200 for my birthday. I wanted to raise money for the philanthropy. I got $200 for my birthday, but you know, that's, I want to give more. And I asked my mom and my dad and they pulled the thousand dollars that he had in savings out that's and he wanted to donate the $1,200. Now this is a kid. That had never, um, he, he's a great kid. And I, th I, I love him. He's a great kid. But, uh, you know, he's been changed. Um, I don't think that he, he would have ever thought of doing that if he hadn't been watching Mr. Beast. This is, you see, this is changing the conversations. This is changing the wiring and being entertaining. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing. It's a tremendous thing. And, um, the, the, he has um, the question I I, t I ask almost uh, every single guest, and that is the following. If we wired you $100 billion tomorrow, what would you, what would you be doing different? Is, if money wasn't an obstacle. For me? You as the head of Beast Philanthropy, and what, what, and what do you think Jimmy would do? Listen, I have a, um, a philosophy, a strong philosophy, uh, you know, both because I became so non-materialistic and also because the charities that we started were right from the ground, you know, they're grassroots right. and that I've always had the philosophy that we have to get $3 of value out of every $1 that's donated. Right. And, you know, it's the same thing, even though it's beast and it's bigger now, um, I still have exactly the same philosophy with, with the way that we run this thing. So, 
$100 billion, I don't even know how I'd want to spend it because I don't want to become inefficient and sure. you know, thoughtless and spendthrift. I want to, um, you know, but the more money we make, the more I am going to go and um, try to spread this message and also spread the work that we do so that we can reach more people. But I'm very deliberate about the people that I hire and the people that work for me because in every interview, I tell people, don't take this job if you don't care about charity. Because yep. I promise if you work for me, I expect you to work as hard as I do yep. and you probably make more money in the for-profit sector than you ever make in the non-profit sector. You know, there are some charities where the executive directors can, you know, get a, a million dollars or close or more a year. That will never happen. Not as long as I'm running this place, you know. Um, I'm very deliberate about how we spend our money, what projects we're going to take on. And... I'd like to grow it and spend it and spread it as far as I can if you gave me that money. It's unbelievable. Darren, you, I mean, it's very unusual. Just even our listeners sharing a person like yourself, giving things up, it's, I think it, you know, it, it touches the heart and soul because at the end of the day, I think people want to feel good about themselves. And it's very clear that just you know, doing superficial things doesn't hit the part of ourselves, which is about meaning and about purpose and about, again, in the interest of time, a couple of questions that I ask all guests, and I think it's important. If you could meet anyone, dead or alive, you've got 15 minutes, you can ask them anything. Present company excluded. Who would, they, who would that be and why? Wow, that's a really, really difficult question. I mean, you know, from a, uh, from a personal perspective, the thing that I love the most is um, I'm fascinated with physics and, and stuff like that. So I'd probably answer Einstein. But then... You know, that would just be from a personal, but I'd also want to meet some of the people who had done some amazing work or had had changed the, you know, the course of history. Martin Luther King, you know, comes to mind or um, Nelson Mandela comes to mind or, you know, Anthony Gordon. <laughs> Those are the big names today. <laughs> you know, there's or Gandhi or something. There's certain people who I think have actually set examples and they have changed the world. And those are the people I want to ask them, did you know you were, the, did you know you were doing it at the time that you were doing it? You know, was it something that you were driven to do? Like you've, you, you've been very gracious with me and told me, you know, complimentary things and stuff like that. And I really don't see myself the same way. I describe myself as a tool that, you know, Jimmy is the one that's doing all of this work and stuff like this. But, um, you know, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I, other than I have this opportunity to go and work and do something where I can look back at the end of the, you know, my life and say um, that I've done something meaningful. But I want to ask people that were on the same journey, how they saw, did they, did they go there with the intention to change the world? Did they, they, yeah. I've said before to, to people, when I was young, I wanted to be famous and important and go and have a big impact. When I got older, I realized that I'd never be that, you know. And then, you know, but I came around to thinking, I don't have to change the world, but I can change the world for the people that I interact with a little bit, you know. Yep. That's always been what's driven me is to try and make it a little bit better for the people that I interact with or uh, uh, you know, my family or my friends or uh, do a little bit of charity work. But, you know, that was good enough. But then I met Jimmy and all of a sudden we've got this amazing platform and 
I want to help Jimmy change the world. I just want to be whatever it takes mm-hmm. uh, to spread Jimmy's message as far as I possibly can, because I, I 100% believe in it. And it said, like I said earlier, there's nothing in this for me. I'm not trying to get anything out of this for myself, but I see what Jimmy can do. And I just want to amplify his message um, in any way that I can. Darren, beautiful. So let me, let me just tell a cute story because as you're speaking, it comes to mind. Uh, and th- then some thoughts that I want to share because I, it's interesting today, officially um, on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, the name of the show officially changed or we got a tagline saying what are lessons for life uh, that are not learned at Harvard. So I want to take the lesson that our viewers can learn from or extricate from today's uh, discussion. Um, it's a beautiful story of a father and a, and a little kid, uh, little David, six-year-old, holding his uh, father's hand. They're walking along the beach, and there had been a huge uh, tide, which, and there were tens of thousands of these starfish that were washed up on the beach. I, I love the story. And, I love the story. And little David's holding his dad's hand, and there's all these starfish because of some currency changes that all been washed up. And obviously, a starfish can't remain out of water for too long. And the father takes one of these starfish and there's tens of thousands washed up and he throws it back into the ocean. But David said to his dad, you know, you know, there's tens of thousands. <laughs> dad, what's the purpose of just the this, this starfish? And he says to his son, and I think this is true, for that particular starfish, it's going to make all the difference. Not, not only are you making a difference for that particular starfish, for one for the people in your uh, purview. But I think, um, you know, working with someone who clearly is a sincere, genuine person, um, doesn't seem to come uh, be about materialism and about narcissism, you absolutely can, t- can, can uh, change tens of thousands of starfish. And I think the discussion that you and I had is that there's no coincidences in this world. If you were although it seems that it's in the realm of nature, you were handpicked uh, to be in the seat, uh, a few things. Firstly, you obviously uh, merit it. Um, secondly, you're very much going to be part of the solution, Darren, because I think there's, um, I have no doubt that we'll be collaborating in the years ahead. Um, you've got someone who speaks to tens, you know, millions and millions of people. Um, so here's my final two questions. You're turning 97 years, 97 years old. So, you know, you got a huge chocolate cake. Sorry? Uh, look that bad. <laughs> so that's like 80 years from now. Um, you got the chocolate cake comes out with all the candles and the boom mic. You're with your significant other, your immediate family. You're with, you're with Jimmy. You're with me. I'm there. And what do you want people to be saying about you as the boom microphone goes around and speaks about the birthday boy? Well, um, these questions are hard because they, you, you're focusing on me and um, I, it, I don't. It, I, I know because I know you don't feel comfortable being in the spotlight, but I, I, I don't want you to underestimate what you're doing. This is not an ego thing. It's a sense of you stepped up and you should be. There's nothing wrong uh, with the fact that I think that you uh, that you've you, you have given, quote unquote, sacrificed a lot of what other people place a premium on. And that's something that you shouldn't belittle. 
Well, I appreciate that. You know, look, I'd like to um, to say that if they said anything that Darren inspired me to be better or try harder, that's all I want them. That's all I care about. Um, you know, if they want to say that he's a selfish man that only did things that made him happy, that's also true. But I'm glad that, um, you know, uh, that I, I, I turned out into a person that got so, so much joy from helping others and 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 trying to improve the world a little bit for, for the generations that come after us. I promise the producers, I promise the people that we're speaking to that I will end every show from now on something along the lines of the lesson that we can learn that we did not learn at Harvard from this episode that we just had today. I'll have a shot and then I'll give the microphone to you. So I think the life lesson here is that in order to have a meaningful, purposeful life and in order to have a life that one can look back and say, the world was a better place uh, the, by virtue of the fact that I was in it is more about what we give than we take. It's doing what we can with the cards that we've dealt to hopefully lift up this world. It's about, um, you know, hopefully leaving the world in a better way than the world that we inherited. That's, I think, the life lesson that I would extrapolate in, in a nutshell. But I defer to you and I yield my time. What would be the life lesson where you can take away from what you think we take away from this episode? Look at giving differently and don't look at it as a sacrifice. Look at it as a privilege. I mean, it, it, it's an amazing thing to be able to go and do. And um, when you when you try it, you'll realize that you, you're buying yourself a sense of happiness that you will not be able to purchase through anything material in the world. And just give it a try because it, it, it will shock you. And it, that would be something that if anybody listening to this wanted to go, Find something that you care about. And giving also isn't limited to money. Right. I mean, if you care about animals, go um, volunteer. volunteer at animal shelter. If you care about hungry people, go volunteer at a soup kitchen. Just go yep. do something. And if you don't love it at the end of the day, then I'm wrong. But I, I promise you, just go try it and it's going to change your life. Aaron Margolius, the world is a better place by virtue of the fact that you're in it. I'm, I'm really sincerely thrilled that our, our paths have, have reconnected. Uh, not that uh, Jimmy needs the, the shout out, but folks, obviously, you should check out Mr. Beast on YouTube and uh, you should check out the exact URL for the philanthropy is what, Darren? Just go to YouTube and type in Beast Philanthropy or go to beastphilanthropy.org and you'll get a link to the channel. Darren Margolius, Executive Director of Beast Philanthropy, thank you for your time. Thank you, Anthony. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, man. Mm -hmm.